Welcome to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I am normally your host, Phil, but in this episode, we have a guest host, Chris Damboys, who will be interviewing Clint McCarthy, who is the Associate Professor of Outdoor Education at SUNY Adirondack. My name is Chris Danboys. I'm the guest host. My guest today is a college educator, a trainer of the next generation of adventure guides and facilitators. He's the associate professor of outdoor education at SUNY Adirondack. And a person that I've come to know for at least 10 or 12 years now, I think maybe longer at this point. But um, I, yeah, I want to introduce you to Clint McCarthy. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, good morning. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and help me with that introduction? <laughs> well, that was pretty good. Um, I guess we know each other on a few different levels. So like in the climbing world as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I've been the associate professor. Um, well, not that title, but I've been at SUNY Adirondack for 16 years now. Yeah. And so we've um, evolved quite a bit and we have, you know, it's a pretty broad program. So we certify a lot of students in um, multiple disciplines. Um, and that's kind of our, our staple is trying to get those industry certs in there. Nice. Um, and so when a student graduates, they can actually get 13 different certifications if they're, they're eligible and they put the time in and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I've been at it long enough where I have students that have went on and they've, they've become like my trainer at certain things. So that's, that's kind of neat too, to, to see that evolve. Yeah, that's um, nice. That return on the investment yeah. in young people. Aside from that, I'm... You know, we, I, at my home life, I run like a little homestead and I'm, I'm way into trees. So I'm planting all different kinds of trees and I'm really into chestnuts right now and just experimenting with those. So, yeah. Interesting. And, and your homestead is located or where are you recording from this morning? Oh yeah. So I'm at home. Um, I'm in Queensbury, New York. So just, you know, less than four minutes from the college. So that's, yeah. that's a, that's a blessing and a, a curse. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm curious what, you know, you can define adventure however you'd like to, but what's your sort of earliest personal experience with what you perceive as adventure? Yeah. You know, and I, I, cause I've listened to enough of this. I, I thought about this a little bit and I've been all over the place with it quite a bit. I would say it would probably be when I was a young teenager, maybe 13 or 14. And there's a lot of other experiences in there too. I, I grew up in a pretty rural area. And so, you know, you just, you rode your bike everywhere to get away from your parents or whatnot. And, um, and it, it was allowed, you could just, you know, go quite a distance all day. Um, but really it was when I was an early teenager, my parents, um, they let myself and a, a friend of mine, they, we went camping with a forest ranger and the forest ranger was his uncle. So he took us out into the back country for three days and, you know, it was great. And he basically told our parents like, oh, they're good on their own. They're, they're all set on their own. You know, they, they can handle themselves. And so um, later that summer, they actually dropped us off and then um, came back two days later. And it was great. And that was like the real sense of like, we, you know, we were totally on our own and we just did some silly things. Like we didn't want to carry a canoe this time, like we did last time with his uncle. So we had like a, an old plastic barrel that we cut the top off of and, and thought that we could paddle it out and, and fish out of it. And it, it quickly tipped over and just like <laughs> that type of stuff. So it, the reason I use that example is because there was so much failure right off the bat 
you know, and, and, and you learn from those failures. And I think that that kind of defines adventure in a lot of ways. Like you, you, uh, those failures that you learn from are, um, so profound and there's so much transfer to, to everyday life. No, that's a, that's an awesome story. So I'm trying to picture like the forest ranger did, did he like, when he took you out there, he taught you how to pitch a tent and how to start a fire and all those sort of basics. Yeah. We had some of that stuff going on, but yeah, there was some of that and it was kind of some guiding too. At the time, this is in the early nineties, the Adirondacks, we, we, and still to still today, but then it was really um, noticeable the, the amount of acid rain. And so there was all these like little ponds that we would try to go fishing. At. And that's really what it was all about was just like, Oh, this fishing hole and look at this one on this map. And, you know, oh, okay. and so he, he kind of showed us the lay of the land and like, you know, where stuff is and a lot of map stuff. And, but we would go to, you know, walk all day and try to find these little fishing holes. We'd catch nothing because there wasn't any fish in them, you know? Mm. And so that was valuable too. And some of it was, is like, nobody would ever go to those places. So, so like you couldn't even cast really because it's just the, the brush was right up to the edge. But yeah, we did, what would I, I think I'm trying to think like just kind of the lean style, lean to style of a tarp. We, we yep. from, and that was kind of our go-to for a while used tarps for years as an outward bound instructor. Yeah. Didn't, didn't carry tents too heavy, <laughs> too right. many people to carry that many tents. So obviously probably there was some other emerging adventure experiences for you. Like I, I do know you as a climber besides an outdoor educator. And I'm wondering when climbing may have popped into your life. Yeah. So it wasn't actually till I was at, at SUNY Cortland. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so I was in a, it was called Adventure Activities One. And it was basically, it's, it's almost modeled. I modeled the Challenge Course One class that I teach now pretty much off of that experience, but it was all gym based. And so they had a lot of different, just group games, more for like teaching in a, in a school setting, you know, yep. without a challenge course. They did have some cargo nets and stuff. And they actually, now that I think of it, they did have some other stuff in there as well, like a uh, flying squirrel, but they had a climbing wall and that was one of the days that we would go in there. So it was like a two hour block twice a week. And, uh, and I was like, wow, this is great. And so they would open it up on Fridays. And so I would start going to those and, um, and it's just like the, the classic unconscious incompetence. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right, let's, I'm gonna, we have, you know, there were some people that ran it and they were like, oh, you're pretty good. We have this comp going on over at Cordell. You should come, you know, and all right. So, you know, I just show up in my sneakers <laughs> and I remember like being one of the only people in my sneakers. Um, it was my third time ever being there. And so quickly I learned like, okay, I need to, to do this a little more, get some shoes and, and go yeah. from there. Was Cortland your undergrad degree? That's right. Yeah. So uh, it was in physical education and I did a concentration in adapted PE. Oh, and adapted. Um, nice. That's really where the challenge course stuff started too, because then I did adventure activities too. And then they have a great facility at Racket Lake. I ended up up there, but we would bring in a lot of outside groups into that gym space and, and do different things, you know, within the, the gym setting um, for outside groups, like challenge course type games and stuff. So that's yeah. really where I started doing more facilitating those types of things. And even it's interesting because that became kind of a thing that I could put on a resume, even, you know, as a young professional, even like when I went to student teach, I had several schools in the pool that were like, oh, you do this stuff. And a lot of them, it's funny. They just call it, you know, project adventure. They know that's what right. it is. They don't necessarily right. know it as something else, you know, as adventure. Ed or right. 
outdoor ed. So, no, I mean it's it is a good skill building and resume builder for young professionals looking, you know, who are um, earning their degrees, and to get a strong background at facilitation and teaching in that way is so important. Where did you go on to get your master's? University of Northern Colorado, and so that was in Greeley, um, and that was in outdoor education as well. Yeah, and and they had a strong focus on challenge courses as well there. And they had a little course right in behind the baseball field and behind like a little factory. So it was kind of tucked in there. And um, Greeley is a smaller city, about a hundred thousand people at the time, but uh, it was an interesting challenge course. It wasn't the most, it had razor wire around it to keep people out. Right. <laughs> so it's like kind of an urban challenge course. Yeah. And you always had to inspect everything first because people, you know, once there's razor wire, it's like, well, what's in there? You know, so it was, and of course it was right off of right field. So you would just constantly heads up and, you know, you'd have to take cover because a baseball would come flying in. But it was over by the zip line and it was at the tail end of the zip line. So not a lot of stuff flew in there, but it, it, it did from time to time. Usually that would be the first thing you do is, walk in, take all the balls and throw them back over the fence. <laughs> uh, so nobody fell on one, but, uh, and they had a great program th- there. What was your first professional experience as an adventure ed- educator? Well, the paid part threw me off. Cause I did do a lot of facilitating just as, as far as like, we have this group coming who can and do this um, sort of work study positions or whatever. You know, the one that keeps coming to my mind, there's a couple of them. Um, and it's funny what you, you remember. So I was at Eagle Rock school. And so I was there working as a, and this is in Colorado in Estes Park. And I was a public allies fellow. And we had this group of AmeriCorps, an AmeriCorps group coming up from Denver. And they had this team building thing that they wanted to do. And we had a low ropes course there. That was, that was it. And um, mm-hmm. so I said, hey, this is your, your background. Can you facilitate this group? Said, sure. Yeah. You know, so I, I designed the, the whole program. It's funny because it, it, it was probably one of the I didn't have a lot of tools yet. Like I thought I did. I thought I had it, but I, you know, I had made a plan so rigid and and it was a good learning experience. So for instance, we did the Mohawk walk and that's all we did (laughs) because I had set up the rules such that like, okay, if anybody falls off, everybody has to start over Yeah, because that's what I knew, you know, and and the, the, the Mohawk walks that I'd used before were a little easier perhaps. Yeah. And oh my goodness. And they were just struggling and, and, you know, you're, you're, you're trying your best to like, okay, you're going to get it this time. You know, this is this. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, like th- I was surrounded by other elements, you know, that yeah. I, I could have done or just all the games that I knew that I had done, you know, all sorts of stuff, you know? So I'm sure I did some icebreakers and some other stuff in there too, but I just remember that. And I remember it being brutal for a couple hours of that. And I, I, yeah. Anyway, I hope I didn't turn them off to the whole thing. But. <laughs> yeah, emerging facilitators have to understand that things aren't always going to go well for you or the program you're working and trying to be adaptable. I think that's the key thing is don't get fixated on the plan. You know? Yeah, and just like it's something I try to go through with my students too is just have kind of know when to, to fold it, you know, when to say, all right, hey, or you can always you can always make it more difficult, but you can't make it more easy. You know, when, right. you, when you do that, it's like, and so I, I explain that stuff, you know, like with a multi-swing, you know, set it up like this and then say, Hey, who can tell me what that type of tree is? And maybe give it a little kick or something if you need to, to, to move it back a little bit, but don't let them see you making it easier. You know, that type of thing. And in that right. position I was explaining, I was stuck. <laughs> so 
and I was paid to do it. So anyway, yeah. Was that a, uh, was that a continued position, like a summer job that you had or? No, it was a, it was a year round, uh, fellowship. So I was an AmeriCorps oh. as oh, well, okay. but it was, it was it. through public allies. Um, uh, and so I was there as the human performance center fellow. Gotcha. Um, and so it was, you know, you live there, um, as well. Yep. And so it was a great experience. And, and I, I'd like to think, um, educationally that was probably more of a learning experience for me in that one year than, than all my undergrad and masters combined. It was great. It, it shaped who I am as an educator today, for sure. In this time that I've known you, you've become a dad. Yeah. Um, and you have some children. And I'm, I'm curious, how has your view of adventure changed once you became a parent? Did that, was there any transition for you there? I use this example a lot. I think it's made me a little more patient, if you will, but it's also changed some of my, my teaching in, in, in a certain sense in that like, so one of the things I go back to is my, my son, we were at a relative's house and he kept going through the screen door over and over and over again. And everybody would kind of yell at him like, Hey, stop pushing on the screen. Hey, stop pushing on the screen, you know? And finally my uncle who is, you know, a child psychiatrist too, I should add that there. He's, Hey, tell him what you want him to do. Not what you don't want him to do. Like, you know, Hey, Fen, push on the wood on the side. So you don't, and that really stuck out to me. It's like, you know, that's, I've been going about my teaching all wrong a lot of times, you know, it's like even in your feedback, like coach them to what you want them to do, not what you don't want them. My teaching has, has changed to that. And I I've always kind of with spotting, you know, and I worked a lot with younger kids, especially with the, the teaching end of things before I came to the college, you'll quickly learn instead of saying, you know, Hey, Joe spot. It's much easier to say, hey, I like how you're spotting the one person that's doing it and everyone else will instantly put their hands up because they want that that praise. So so having kids has kind of brought that out a little bit more, I think. And then at a community college, too, a, a number of our students have children. So understanding that, too, you know, and, and their time commitments to that is, is valuable, too. But I think the question of kids affecting the, the adventure educator, I think it's the other way they, they benefit. Uh, you know, we, we have an old farmhouse. So there's, we have a whole, you know, in their imagination, a ski center upstairs where they do laps. Cause there's a circular hallway and the stairs or nice. the ski lift. And, you know, who has crash pads like I do, you know, and it's like, right. <laughs> it's just like, and all the mattresses are destroyed and just, you know, all the things that you, you might imagine. Uh, you know, yep. climbing holes mounted to the wall and, and rope swings. And so I think they benefit more. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking you, you mentioned earlier our connection and I was trying to drill back as to when it actually occurred. I remember inspecting okay. the, the indoor climbing wall. It would have been like my second year there because that's a horror story. But at the time I was teaching PE still. They didn't have much to do with that, but I saw what was going on and it was kind of like, oh, geez, I, I'd really like to be, be over involved. there. Well, just, yeah, because it, it, that's, you know, this is good for any of the young listeners too, is, is like, you saw a lot of stuff that you knew wasn't quite right, but you're new and you know, who am I to say, Hey, 
you know, you really mm-hmm. should have mats up on that wall. You really should take the ropes down during the day. Why do you have pulleys on the top instead of SRDs? You, you know, and um, it was good because the feedback you give, you know, it was met with a little resistance, you know, and it, but it's like, how do you, where do you start? You know, and then just being young, it's like, how do I, you don't want to, because it was somebody that had been there over 40 years. For a long time. I know I remember that as an inspector, even yeah. as a professional inspector who was hired to come in and noticing those things and asking those same questions that you asked, you right. know. And on the background, I remember from, from your end of things, it was kind of like, wow, they're, they're just trying to make money. You know, that they just, they, they just want us to fix this stuff for, for profit. And, you know, and it's like, I don't, you know, they're a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I see some of the same things that they're saying, you know, it was yeah, hard yeah. to kind of put yourself out there because, you know, within the next, you know, every year I was on a continuing contract. So then, or that I'd be up for a vote each year and, wow. and, um, and then for tenure and stuff, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, cross that stuff, but some of it is just your, you know, like a strong moral and ethical code, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Like, what is that? You know, and do you have one of those and, and what does that mean? You know? Do you spend time with your students talking about those kinds of dilemmas? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, how to go about it. And, you know, I define it as dangerously undertrained, you know, and, and yeah. what happens is, is, and that's what, what you all have done a great job of instilling in me and, and in certain things is when you fail somebody, they're likely to never come back for another certification. Or I think you put it like illuminate what you know. Yeah right and and what you need to work on and so we talk about that like hey you know let's you know what level could you come in at and what does that show i mean like hey for like for climbing for instance you know you need to climb more well that's that's not bad that's not a bad thing that's a good thing you know and um or just get out there and facilitate some more with 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 somebody with more experience and and that's always good even for me i, I tell them you know i learn more from my students than i do anywhere else you know, how they might do something or just how they receive feedback or see how they give feedback. You know, that's, that's kind of my unfair advantage when I go to all these certification exams or, or for like, especially for the snow sports stuff, like for telemark skiing or Alpine, or even the, the, I've done a lot of certs in that area. People are just so nervous about the teaching end of things. The, the, the skill set wise, they, they usually are okay. But most of the people in the exam, they're on the chairlift and they're reading their cards and what are they going to teach next? And, and for me, um, my unfair advantage is I'm just around students all the time, seeing them do it and, and you know giving them feedback, but just seeing how they do it and what works and doesn't. So, but yeah, back to that thing there, it's, it's definitely... Um, I do go over that with them and kind of like, you know, pick one or two things and how, how would you do it? You know, standards change, best practices shift and change old things sort of run their course. And, and then having those conversations with people who are in positions of more authority or power than you and and how do you help move their needle also? And it, that might be a great analogy that you gave. I mean, look at what technology's done in so many other areas. Yeah. You know, I mean, even like a cell phone is not, or just zooming right now. I mean, three, four right. years ago, we wouldn't have done this, you know? So, nope. uh, and that's changed a lot in, in our industry as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about like if a student coming in to, to do the outdoor ed degree, it's a two-year associates, right? Correct. Yeah. I'm a new student. What are my options? Like, what, what do I get to look forward to? 
Yeah, so it's pretty broad. So we have the the standard, um, you know, your standard backpacking, backcountry canoeing, those types of courses. Your your mm-hmm. foundations of adventure ed um, that everyone takes, and then there's more like concentration areas. So they pick. Well, they can actually do them all, depending on elective hours and stuff how they choose to do those. But so the first two classes are all experiential. So for instance, you'd have challenge course one, challenge course two, or skiing one, skiing two climbing one, climbing two. And then they, the, the third level is more the leadership level, but those also come with a certification. So for instance, in the challenge course world, they would take challenge course management. Yeah. And so that goes through a bunch of different things from facilitating elements to doing an element inspection to going through rescues. So from there, then they can get a, um, you know, practitioner level one or practitioner level two, if they have a little more experience. And we, our program is very service oriented. So any class that they take, there's some type of service learning component into it. And that goes back to those, those early Eagle Rock days. That's exactly how everything was there. And so that's, that's a big part of it. So for instance, we'll do things with our, um, we have a, a thing here called the ARC and they, they do programs with um, developmentally disabled folks and so we'll, we'll do stuff with them or it could be something simple as um you know going down a, a river and doing a cleanup but that's always part of it um but that's also how they're getting a lot of the experience too so we have freshman seminar classes and each one of those freshman seminars our students push into one of those and do a team building day so that's really their early facilitation is facilitating their peers in a classroom and it's great because it's like you know, other college students that, oh, I don't want to do these name game things or I don't want to, you know, so it's like some of them, like people that don't want to do it and will flat out tell them they don't want to do it. And so there's a lot of discussion about that after, like, cause we always debrief at the next class, like how to go, what happened, you know? And, you know, my biggest challenge actually isn't that it's, you'll facilitate something um, maybe so well that that's what they want to do. That's the catch-all, you know, like my Mohawk walk thing, you know, that, or that right. they'll always go to the same activity every time, no matter what. And it's like, you know, just one shoe doesn't fit all, I guess. But the, the you know, that's been the biggest challenge for them when they go do that as a student is doing those same activities over and over. But we have, you know, we have lesson plans with like four or five different things. But really the goal is, is set a, you know, find out what the, the professor's goals are and then work from there you know, to fit that, but that's where they get a lot of their experience. So they're, they're thrown in there pretty quickly doing that. And it's part of the class. So they're, they're getting, well, yeah. they get graded. They're getting, they're getting supported to do it. So, I mean, yeah, but I, I want to finish that, but it, it reminds me, I was thinking about this the other day I, and I don't remember what it was. I was, I was listening to one of your podcasts and I was thinking about how, when you do stuff enough and you're facilitating it, and those, yeah, those same jokes and stuff. And then you hear somebody else say the same joke that you used in a facilitation thing. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like they, they, they do it like exactly as you do. And it's like, all right, I have to mix that up a little bit. We, we laugh about that all the time. We hear things travel literally, and then it will come back to us. And we're like, where did you learn that? And they're like, I learned so-and-so. And then it, it yeah. traveled around the world sometimes. Like, wow. wow. So, I, I mean, I guess it's... It, it's a good thing too. And there's some ownership to it too. You're like, well, you got to use it like this, you know, (laughs) but um, most of the time it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a nice thing most of the time. So yeah. So from there, the the students, um, 
we use a lot of our students as like TAs as well. So teaching assistants. So once they went through a class, they can be a, a TA. And then also um, like our field instructors, I like to hire former students that have graduated that are out there working in the field. So because unfortunately I'm not that old, but I'm getting a little older and somebody that's in the field that graduated maybe a couple of years ago, that's just somebody that they can aspire to a little bit more. This episode of Vertical Playpen is supported by Peak Trading, who is a distributor of ropes course and adventure park equipment and supplies. They have a large stock of cable, wire rope, hardware, fasteners, climbing and rescue gear for the construction and facilitation of courses and parks around the world. They offer great prices on all the best brands, including Crosby, Petzl, CMI, Kong, Black Diamond and more. And they also have a knowledgeable and friendly staff, which is something I personally can attest to. And they also have fast free shipping on all qualified orders. Check out their website, peaktrading.com and ropescoursewarehouse.com for more information or to place an order. You can also call them at 800 952 7325 to talk with one of their knowledgeable customer service staff. Thank you once again to Peak Trading for supporting this episode. You mentioned your students doing a couple of the experiential level uh, challenge course one, challenge course two, and then taking the manager's course where they're really helping run groups and maybe doing TA work. And then you talked about the illumination, the sort of assessment phase. It's always good, I think, for our listeners to hear about other people's views on assessment and the opportunity to have what they know and what they don't know illuminated in some way from another professional feedback loop, because that's really the real world. You know, that's how when you get a full-time job, at some point your supervisor is going to sit down and say, here's what's going really well. And here's some things you can work on. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it, like f- for me too, it, it's, it's good learning to go into another site as well, because, you know, I saw like, you know, when we got there, you, you had everybody wear your harnesses and that was something that they hadn't done, you know, and that's something that we started. Cause it's like, you know, Hey, that does make more sense. You know, you're bringing in participants. You should be kind of in similar stuff as they are. And I kind of get preachy about that in certain things, like when they're doing climbing stuff, for instance, like, you know, always put on your climbing shoes if you're going to demo something and do it, because if somebody can't do a five, seven or something, and then you just go do it in your shoes or your work boots or something, like, what is that? telling them, you know, model the behaviors that you want or that they're going through and experiencing. That's good too. But the, and then the feedback thing, Phil just talked about this in the last podcast that was on this week. And it was really good because he talked about criticism shows that you care. He, he, he mentioned, and he said, apathy is the opposite. Like if you just say, Oh, nice job. I don't know. Nice job. Good enough. What's that? that shows that you don't care really like you're not and and that we need to embrace the criticism a little more and how to do that because right now i'm doing training for level ones for skiing snowboarding and telemark skiing for our students and so they do a lot of you know peer coaching and so i'll give them a drill and they have to follow each other halfway and then switch and follow the other halfway and give each other feedback typically i'll take one of the things that they do for feedback and say okay let's do that right now let's 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 try to do that and we'll do it in all levels you know so what do you feel in the boot as you do that and then you know what did you have to move to make this happen and so often they just go to the you know the attaboy <laughs> good job 
you know, and it's like, you're not trying to nitpick, give them something that's like concrete that, you know, you can go with while we're, we're on the subject of, of feedback, actually, I want to plug something that I want to get rid of. There's two things that I want to get rid of in, in the outdoor ed world, especially in the challenge course world that have always bothered me. And so one of those is that, that proverbial, that, that poop sandwich. I just absolutely hate that, which is, you know, the compliment, the criticism, and then the compliment, because it's like, what is that saying? Like, you know, oh, it's crappy. You know, like, you know, go with compliment sandwich. Why can't it be that? You know, um, for me, that's that's the, the, the big one. And so I've really tried to get that out there and make them things that are instead of, you know, give the compliment and then don't go with your next thing saying, but this is what you need to work on. Make it and and maybe make it about yourself. I find when I do this and then give them another compliment after. But it's that. And then my probably the most dreaded one. And I think we've done a great job in the outdoor industry of this. I think we've done a really good job of it because you don't hear it as much anymore. But it's the old harness. If you see red, you're dead. Thing. It drives me nuts. Because <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, these folks are afraid to, to go off the ground. And then you're, you're going right to death. <laughs> yeah. We talk about that. I think there's probably a podcast around things we used to do and we no longer accept yeah. as, you know, the given. And that's probably a specific example of the red you're dead thing. Yeah. It's so easy because you could just go O for open, C for closed or, you know, that's one yeah. of my jokes, actually. I'll say make it. And what's the C make? And they'll guess. And I'll say it's, it's C for Clint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Make Clint happy. So. Obviously, things have shifted in the world since I've last seen you. And I'm curious what you think about programming during a pandemic. What are some, some challenges and what are some opportunities? Well, first, I guess I would just say, I guess I would, if I did it as like a timeline, kind of how it's evolved. So I started out in the spring, I was just managing like other people. So we had four sections going that were all online. And so online challenge course, like, what is that? You know, and so they would do a little bit of Zoom stuff and, and they would, it's just people that are better than you. You know, that's kind of, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by people that are way better than me, um, as in particular with the internet stuff, <laughs> just doing that stuff. So I learned a ton of like activities and games that, that you could do via that. And so I would meet with our staff weekly at first and then biweekly, and we would all go through what they were doing. And then for me, what I did is challenge course management was going on. So I went around to all the low elements and I mapped it with the high five book. So what I forget, it was the one with the chimp on it. It, it used to have the chimp on it. Um, yeah. The high five guide. The five, five guide. Correct. Yeah. And so I'd go through and I'd list out a few things. And then I would ask questions that would say like, you know, what other considerations did I not talk about in the video that, and so they would have to look in the book to see what they were. And so that has been like a great resource because now that we're going to meet in person this spring, I'm using those old videos. Like I have basically a, a digital LLP, a video LLP, which is like, pretty good and and you know being mindful of my audience like trying to make these videos that are two minutes or less so that was that was a benefit actually is having those or if somebody kind of having a question about them you can quickly send them a tutorial of like hey check this out and then moving into the summer we actually do this leadership camp for uh, we have p-tech which is it's ba it's basically for ninth and tenth graders going into more of a engineering field mm -hmm. possibly but it's through our local um, BOCES programming we co-teach it and it's we'll have anywhere from 30 to 40 students in that. And that was all virtual. 
So we, we laid out stuff in, in Slack and it was a lot of more on the reflection end of things for sure. But we would do some group games with them and, you know, virtual stuff with them. And, and it was, it was fun. The challenge there, the biggest challenge there was just having their screens on so that they were engaged or, you know, so that the camera was on them and not on the ceiling, for instance. But, you know, I, I like to tell all of our, our younger people, you know, always don't take yourself too serious. And your number one strength is going to be your sense of humor, you know, and, and any yep. of that. And um, just so much stuff would go on in the background with those younger kids, the ninth and 10th graders, just, just, I mean, mothers yelling at kids to get out of the bathroom and mom, I'm in class, you know, to get out of bed. I am out of bed, you know, and they're jumping up and, and, and you know, they're ninth graders. I mean, that's just, that's kind of what you would expect, I suppose. But uh, yeah. so that was, that was definitely challenging because just doing attendance alone, I mean, um, you know, there's 40 of them you know, and they're all over the screen. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that we've done, um, you, do you know the activity build it, sell it? So there's a bunch of stuff you can do with it, but typically we use it as more of a, a rainy day activity, kind of a, as a filler. And so what I have is a series of PVC pipes caught in all different lengths and valves and stuff. And so you'll give them, you know, you know, you need to build this and, and you can set all sorts of parameters if you wanted to. I usually yeah. don't. I let, let their creativity take over. And then they have to make an infomercial for it. And every person in the group has to have an acting role. The spinoff to it is, is you can kind of combine all the kits and have um, where they have to build a statue for yeah. the, the, you know, that represents their group. And, and what would it be? And you, you can facilitate it, you know, talk about all the great statues of the world and what they mean and go from yeah. there. But anyway, we did it this time around where we talked about it and then they had to make their own video of like their own invention and what it would be. And um, they were better than like, if we facilitated it in person with the PVC, I mean, the creativity and the, the amount of uh, the acting and how into it they got. And then of course, some of their skill sets with digital editing and stuff and, and just using Adobe and stuff. They were awesome. They were really good. And some of them were just simple things like a stick you know, and how you'd use the stick in so many different ways, but they're great. And, and they got really into it. And so it's probably something going forward that we'll just use as an assignment, you know, outside of class. So then fast forward to like in-person programming, and that's where it got kind of challenging. And probably the, the biggest takeaway that I had is it was probably, so they meet for 14 times. So it's seven weeks, two hours a day, you know, twice a week, probably day eight or nine might've been Aso Ko. For whatever reason, I just said, hey, everybody get way back and take your masks off. And so we were spread out like really, really far apart. And in their journals, um, that was like one of their favorite things because, and it was for me too, it was like, whoa, that person has a nose ring? Like I had no idea, you know, and I, we hadn't really done that really. Um, and you just hadn't seen them with their masks off. And so like everybody looked, it was like all new people. It was challenging at first, you know, you could like the first five or six days, and I've probably taught that class over 50 times. I was able to just modify and adapt things so that it didn't really much matter. But then after a while, you're like, oh, I really would like to do this, but can't. Yeah, you can't. Like, how do I, how do I do this? And so some of your staples, like team triangle and stuff, it's like, ah, oh, you know, that here we go. So, but certain things, you know, you, you modify and you adapt and, and, and maybe they're better. And, you know, I, I think that we're all, good risk managers and what we do, you know, and, and so there's certain things like backcountry skiing. It's like, well, if you're within six feet of somebody that, 
that wouldn't be good anyway, you know? Right. And we always wore face masks anyway, you know, and goggles anyway. So it's like, it's no different than it always was other than they have to self-transport. Now we don't use the van, which is kind of limited where we, we go, but challenge course wise, that was the challenge was, is definitely after like day six or so it's like, boy, but yet again, the world we live in, there's so many resources out there. And so yeah. many different podcasts and different things that and, and listening to what you all are doing and saying, oh, yeah, we could do this. And then some of the old old games that I just hadn't done in a while. And it's like, oh, yeah, remember this? This That's awesome. You know, we could do that again. Is there an idea that you've always had, you know, somewhere in the back of your head that you've never brought to life? Maybe it's really outrageous or perhaps not practical, or at least that's what you assume. But what are those program design dreams or that thing that sits out there that you're like, God, I wish I had the bandwidth or the the money or the, I don't know, time, whatever it is to like make happen. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because um, we're trying to do that right now, somewhat. And it, so what it is, is it's, it's just the, the lack of diversity in our field. It's just, it, there just is. It's, and you, it's not, there's no denying it. And so trying to figure out ways to improve that. And so I actually have someone in the, the community, he, he, and he's been a very generous donor to us. And he, he's purchased two large called Voyager canoes. Mm-hmm. And so they're over 20 feet long and you can pile a lot of people in them and, and just trying to do some, some programming with that. But what he's been doing is he's been trying to paddle Lake George every month of the year. The only month he's never been able to do it is February. And mm-hmm. so he, and this year it, it froze over. So it didn't happen. Um, right. So he, <laughs> he skied it. And so um, what we're going to do in March here is, is use fat bikes to ride across. across. Yeah, yeah. And it's 32 miles long. So do the whole lake. But the idea is, is to use some of that to gain some interest and gain some um, maybe possibly donations and stuff donors. But with that being the end goal of trying to increase diversity within the, the program, but also just in our outdoor education field. And so one of the things that we've, we're very early in the stages of doing this, but uh, one of the things to do that, to try to accomplish those goals is I've been working with the um, Mohican nation and the uh, Muncie nation. And so we're trying to bring some of their younger members here. They are largely in Wisconsin right now, but this is their homeland is this area in particular South of Albany on some of the islands there, they actually own the islands now. And so bringing our students there in these, these canoes that we have had um, donated and then some of those um, nations coming and explaining like what that land means to them, kind of some of their, their background with it and just their generations of, uh, of using that land. So kind of incorporating that into our curriculum. So that's kind of the start of, of where we are. But that, that's kind of the, the end dream, I guess, is to, to try to improve that a little bit. You ready for the rapid fire round? Sure. Favorite hobby? I would say uh, planting trees. 
and I don't necessarily know that it's a hobby. Like I, but I, I yeah, that's probably my favorite. Um, and cause we do it, I do it with students too. And you know, we're, I'm seeing trees now that we're planting the first year I worked there. I'm just like, it, it's neat. Like you can, they kind of are all connected to a different student. Where does beekeeping rank? You know, that's going down there a little bit. It's, it's okay. falling down. It, yeah. It's just so much heartache <laughs> of, of, of die offs. And yeah, you know, what happens with that is every year I say, Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with it. And what happens is, is, um, I've kind of become the guy like locally <laughs> for certain mm-hmm. things. Like people say, Oh, we have this, you know, this arm to farms program where we have returning veterans and we need a beekeeper for it. Can you be the beekeeper? And you're like, Boy, that sounds really cool. And I was just about to get out of it. And so you're like, all right. So then you, you know, you're back into bees and then, um, people want to do it. And it, it's just like our industry with, you know, your passion is contagious, you know, and, uh, just the number of students that I have that have taken on beekeeping. And it's like, well, something I'm saying is, is working there because like they haven't even done it with me. They just heard me talk about it and all of a sudden they're into bees. So it's, it's kind of, it's fascinating, I guess. There's just, the, it's like this stuff you're always learning and that that's what I like about it. But, uh, the heartache is tough. Like it's just tough. It's the die off is tough there. What are you reading? I actually am just about finished, uh, with the, the overstory it's called. Not familiar with it. Yeah. So it's by uh, Richard Powers and it's, it's actually some of the best short story writing I've ever heard. And so it's very different type of book for me to read because I don't read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of books, but not a lot of fiction. Um, and so it's fiction, but it's about trees, of course. <laughs> and so overstory, um, right? Yeah. And so it's the, the, but the beginning, the short stories are really, really, really well written. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, they basically, they kind of all come together, but it's about different types of trees and living in the tops of redwoods and, um, but more on the environmental protections of them. And I don't nice. want to read it for anybody, but, um, yeah, yeah so it goes there. And then of course the, the classic on my nightstand is uh peace in every step, which is, is, uh, is, is really good because it just has all those little stories that you can use as a facilitator, you know, and, uh, for instance, like the seeds of anger, you know, and like once right. you start to plant that seed it sprouts into other things and other things and so do you think certification helps our field more which is an individual credential or accreditation which is a program level of credential a certification and the reason i do you want the reason or yeah i think it because it's it's it spreads out more you know like it goes wherever um, once, once you have it where the accreditation into things, and I love AEE, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a great organization. The problem is, is like most of the students, like I need students to exist. They're not, they don't know what accreditation is until you've taught them about it. And it doesn't really mean anything to them in the field. It does, but certification means something to them. It means that that's a big deal to them. And as they, they move on and it's all about getting multiple certifications. One of the certifications that we do, they just increase the dues. And I thought, oh man, that's, that's going to be a, you know, a deal breaker. Right. And I, and I, because there's no student rate anymore. And I said, Hey, you know, sorry, this is what they've done. They've raised the rate and I, I've worked with them to try to get it down. They said, oh, your students can pay in installments instead, which was kind of nice, but yeah, it still was pricey. And I thought, oh, there's no way. And nobody didn't matter every single one of them was like yeah no i That's want important it. yeah yeah i want the certification 
And even, and it's interesting because even some of the students that just aren't quite there yet, they still want to do it. And it's like, well, you know, I want you to be successful. This is what you need to do. But it's that important, like having that, that thing. And, and I would definitely say experience is probably more important, but um, the certification is just recognized by them. And as our, our field to, to give us, you know, more legitimacy and just really make this a known part of education, I think that's certification is what, what does it. Are there any other questions that I should have asked you, but I didn't? If you could go back as a early on, like what would you have changed? Great question. What would you have changed if you could change the trajectory back a ways? Well, kind of what I try to tell students now, don't take yourself too seriously. Just having a good attitude is just so important. And it's not, it's not original to me, but it's just, it's so, so true. It's like a good attitude costs you nothing and a bad attitude will cost you everything. And when you get down and out on stuff, whether it be like an exam or something, you know, just try to keep that good attitude and good things will come. With that comes confidence and I tell you, that's probably one of the more important parts of my job is just trying to make people confident and making them believe in themselves. And once they do, it's, it just takes care of itself. All the learning can happen then, but it's really hard when they just, they're in that kind of panic zone, if you will. So this one, we'll, we'll see if Phil edits this one out. So I went on to rate my professor this morning. Okay. <laughs> do you know what your, any of your top five tags are? On rate my professor uh i've seen it's been a while since i've been there but uh oh boy well one of them i thought was really good because i was like you know i and i got to do a better job of that is somebody took climbing with me and they said oh, I, I wasn't even like an, an outdoor ed student but he still spent a lot of time with me and cared about me and i thought you know hey that's that's exactly you know what what you want like and that's we had this guy that taught at our college for 50 years totally different discipline but i said hey i you know i, I even switched my business my division to be in like his division just to be around it because it's like what does he do that is what he's doing and one of the things that he do is he'd never move on until everyone in the class got it i said all right that's that's pretty good and the other thing he did as a leader so he was our division chair is he would always compliment every like always constantly um things that you did and you're like how did he even know i did that you know and that's what that's what was his like energy and what drove him was just complimenting others on what so but there was something to that effect in there was and i was like all right that's cool and i and it so anyway i try to to do that so I, i was like all right that's good somebody recognized that I'll, re- I'll read the top five that have floated surfaced. Oh boy! Uh, so these are these are tags. These aren't these aren't necessarily ratings or 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 uh, summaries. These are just like tags. So one tag is participation matters. Okay, good. Second one is hilarious. All right. <laughs> Third one is skip class. You won't pass. All right. The fourth is would take again. And the fifth is gives good feedback. All right. Those are great. Yeah. Huh. That no, it, that may, I yeah. should check that out. That, no, you, yeah, you definitely should. And anybody who's considering uh, a degree in outdoor ed at SUNY Adirondack should take a look at that because it'll, the 10 student ratings that are in there will definitely sell the program for sure. Good. You know, it's funny because you, you talked about 
assessment and stuff. And that's one of the things I struggle with professionally is I have to do all these assessments of the major mm-hmm. and, and map out where they go to the degree. And we're always doing things that are just so, you know, my assessments are going to be different than a lot of uh, folks because it's like guided practice. Like I'm, they're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until they get it. So of course people are going to like be above the standard and it's like, well, how do you do this? Or, you know, and then you'll see um, in there sometimes I think somebody a while back, I saw somebody put easy or something. It's like, well, yeah, maybe perhaps because there's not like a, a big paper to write or something, but it's, it's because we're going through the same things again and again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, these ratings are clearly a, a testament to the, uh, to the program you've developed and continue to create and, you know, to your teaching and your level of professionalism. It's, it's quite, uh, quite impressive. So the uh, last question, where can folks go to find out more about outdoor ed at SUNY Adirondack? <laughs> it's another weakness, I guess, but it's uh, our Instagram. So it's SUNY AVS. And it's, I just, I take a lot of pictures. I just don't spend a lot of time on that or put pictures, but we have somebody that has said, Hey, I want to do this for you. Cause she's seen some of the stuff we do. So I've been sending her pictures. And so she, she posts them, which is awesome. That's, that's great. So that we were there and then um, our website. So you can just find our program on uh, sunyacc.edu. Clint, I want to thank you for taking time out of your morning and, you know, sharing your story and sharing uh, all your insight as an outdoor educator and, and, uh, letting us in on that world. Our challenge course world is just one subset of a multi-part universe that you operate in, but your your lessons and key learnings are sort of universal in that way. So we really well, appreciate the time. Yeah. And to what you said, I mean, the challenge course world is universal to anything in the outdoor ed world too, I think. I mean, just like those little group games and stuff for just our students that are, are out on snow sports. And they're like, Oh, I did this game that you did on skis. And it's like, they got it. They figure, you know, it's, and it, we're just waiting on the side of a river because they're waiting for the river to come up and all the other boats are bored. And like our graduates or our students are, they're playing all these games and King yeah. frog and stuff. And it's like, well, look at the fun they're having, you know? And so it is, it is uh, universal to that, that world. So, and thank you because some of the success there is definitely from yourself. And as I mentioned before, just the people you surround yourself with definitely have helped me be where I am today. Well, thanks, Clint. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about... Thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>